Coming to you from Boise, Idaho, the fastest growing city in the U.S. and recognized as one of the most creative and vibrant cities to live in. This is a special edition of Enhancing the Human Experience, a World of Creativity, a series of unique interviews with successful people from around the globe, how they get inspired, where their ideas come from, and how they apply creativity in their business and personal lives. Now, here's your host, Mark Phillips, along with special guest interviewer, Mark Stinson. All right, we've got another awesome guest here for our World of Creativity series inside Enhancing the Human Experience. Hello, Mark. How are you? How are you? Hey, good morning. And I want to welcome Jen Ruiz to the program. Hi, Jen. Hi, thank you for having me. Well, and our theme of world of creativity, uh, Jen is really going to help uh, punctuate that because uh, Jen is a world traveler and, and a solo traveler at that. Uh, she's got a terrific blog called Jen on a Jet Plane, and her story is wonderful. We'll, we'll get into it, but she is a uh, transitioned lawyer, uh, you know, gave up the law practice mm-hmm. to travel and write about it full time. Uh, She's got a terrific book, The Affordable Flight Guide. It was a number one Amazon bestseller. Last year, she won a Reader's Favorite Award, and uh, she's been featured in the Washington Post and ABC News and Huffington Post. And again, on Jen on a Jet Plane, uh, a great TEDx talk. Uh, of the story of you know how she decided to begin these travels, uh, Jen's calling in from uh, upstate New York today, and we're really glad to have you on the program, Jen. Thank you so much, Mark. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. So we've been talking with people uh, literally all over the world about creativity and what inspires them. But uh, as we get into that, I'm curious about you know your world travels and how you embarked on this idea of you know, traveling and writing about it. What, what was the impetus for you? Well, I had started dabbling in travel a little bit. Um, I started taking trips on my birthday to commemorate a new birthday. And when I approached my 30th birthday and it was this sort of milestone, I decided to stretch out the celebrations for once, since it's not something I typically do, and take one trip every month uh, to kind of send off the decade with a bang. And in that, I really formed a basis and a good foundation for my travel blog. I found a passion for it. One of the trips that I took was to my first travel conference where I networked with other bloggers and really started to see this as a potential business and investment. And next thing I knew, I had authored my first book uh, because part of my journey included finding affordable flights so that I could afford to take this many trips on a nonprofit attorney salary. Well, that's great. And, and it's interesting you're, you're saying because a lot of people say, you know, well, someday I'll drop everything or someday when I retire, mm-hmm. you know, then I'll travel the world. Uh, but then you, you really said you're going to fit that in, you know, regular life. Uh, how did that work for you? It was really a tough decision. And there came a point where I even had, you know, a, a marker of a moment, if you will, where I, I spent a lot of time struggling with it. And felt like I was on the cusp of something momentous and that I knew that my life was going to change, but that I wanted it to take that turn. And even though it was straying away from something that was more comfortable, more kind of prestigious, I mean, when I used to tell people that I was a lawyer, especially because I was barred early on, I was barred by the time I was 25. Um, So I looked young and people didn't assume that I was a lawyer. So it's always been something, that title that I used and kind of hid behind to assert some sort of authority or knowledge. Um, And when I had that, you know, 
when I chose to put that aside, because uh, I still have it, it's not necessarily, it's just on inactive status, but I've passed two bars and no one can ever take that away from me. Months of stuff. You got that right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I still have those licenses inactive and I, I can choose to activate them at any time. But for now, I've really enjoyed being able to say that instead of feeling limited, which I did after a while, I practiced law for almost five years and I did it in the private setting before moving to nonprofit, which was a great move for me. I love nonprofit law. Um, they leave, you know, at a reasonable hour. They have really passionate uh, views and are really great coworkers to, to be with. So it was a, a good working space for me, but still I felt like it wasn't the right fit. It just wasn't where I could see myself long-term. And I found this passion for travel while I was working there because they had such a generous package of vacation that I could take advantage of and take these kind of short trips, um, you know, three-day weekends to Cuba kind of thing. Um, And it was wonderful, but it was a stepping stone that I needed to get to something deeper. And I had no idea that it could leave, you know, now that I'm a travel blogger, I have all of these amazing things and accolades and a TEDx talk and books and all of this that I thought would be a one day thing, you know, maybe one day if life goes really amazingly, then it can culminate in this, you know, sudden movement towards what I want. And I decided that instead of waiting and you know, hoping that that would be the way that it would go, that I would just take matters into my own hands and make that the life that I was living currently. And it has been amazing. Well, that's terrific. Tell us about the timeline. Like when did, give us a glimpse, we're 2019 now, when did you start? During the self-proclaimed year of adventure, quote unquote, um, of my 29th year. So the weekend trips were, I took so the first couple of trips were like to Athens, Milan, Florence, um, the Grand Canyon, Aruba. These were all trips that were done within the first kind of quarter of the year. Um, most of them were already pre-planned. I had taken a lot of time and care into them. I had taken, you know, efforts to make sure that I could redeem points and miles. You know, I went to Aruba for $70 round trip on some JetBlue miles after um, opening a new credit card with them and reaping in those bonus sign-up miles. Um, and so different methods that I utilized throughout the year. I started flying with budget airlines. You know, there was a flight that came up to Iceland. Iceland wasn't on the schedule, but there was a $99 flight. So I thought, why not on Wow Air, which was now defunct, but actually I hear it's coming back. So let's all cross our fingers. Um, Cause I really like that these European budget airlines have opened the routes to Europe long, you know, for places that previously were in it, were not accessible for people on an everyday budget, like LA or Miami or these other big airline, you know, hubs that can access Europe easily, Paris overnight, you know, things like that for $200. So I was able to take advantage of that and, and start just fitting in trips. By the second half of the year, I kind of just got in the flow of it. And and I started to feel that added pressure, like, oh my God, 30 is really coming now. Like, this is it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I got to get more trips in. <laughs> so I just, I did my best to squeeze it all in. And when an opportunity came up, there was even a point where I double booked. I mean, it really got that to be that crazy by the end of the year and me trying to squeeze in as much as I could, um, where over Veterans Day weekend, I thought I had booked them in sequential weekends, but I hadn't. And I over, I double booked Morocco. Oh, But I was able to get one of them refunded. So I took that as a sign. I was like, okay, I'll cancel that trip because I was able to get it refunded by a change in schedule. Thank thank goodness. Um, I just didn't accept the change and they just returned my flight. Um, So I salvaged it, but it was definitely a lot to, to put in. 
Wow. Oh, that's wonderful. Uh, yeah, I do laugh, as you did, uh, about the pressure to have fun. Um, you know, I'm really feeling the heat. I've yeah. got to get out there and have more fun. Um, but, you know, to, to the theme of creativity, we're really interested, especially uh, we'll, we'll start with the period where you were doing all this travel and working. You know, where, where did the creative inspiration, you know, come back into the work? Uh, you know, or was it, hey, I'm going to draw a line between work and play. Uh, it's one thing to say I'm going to turn the phone off while I'm traveling and on vacation. But, I mean, did you really say I'm not going to let, you know, my uh, fun come into the work or my work get into the fun? How, how was that experience for you? So one of the benefits, I think, of practicing law is that you can schedule everything. Everything's scheduled pretty well in advance. We're planners. Um, lawyers are type A people. They like to have a calendar out, you know, know when a trial is going, know when a meeting's happening. So I was able to work around that kind of preset court schedule um, and kind of fit in things already where, like I said, my job had extra benefits. So for instance, we had 4th of July off, which was on a Tuesday, and we got a gratuitous day off on a Monday to kind of complete that long weekend. And I turned that into six days in Paris with, you know, two days of vacation time that I used. Um, Well, Paris in the south of France, which was even better. Um, And it was amazing. And these were, you know, easy, small tweaks that I could make to an already very rigid schedule. And then I could make sure that I prepared accordingly. I had already had a conversation with my coworkers who supported me. You know, that was another great part about being in that kind of atmosphere. They stepped in when necessary. You know, they fielded any calls or emails while I was gone, any emergencies if they occurred. Um, But for the most part, I really tried to just prepare before I left. And that's how I helped balance it all. Um, and over-preparing, if anything, you know, double-checking and calling people, making sure everything was good before I went. And I did, I wouldn't necessarily unplug completely. I would double-check and I knew if there was an emergency happening, but if I'm not there, I can't handle it myself. So that was where having a team of people that could kind of tag, you know, your it and go in and, and help for a little bit. And those were favors that were reciprocated, you know, without any issues. So that was something where I tried to be a good coworker as well. And, and I think that fostered that environment. That's great. Mm-hmm. And thinking about your your experiences while traveling, you know, uh, you're you're a solo traveler, but the the social experiences uh, must have been part of the fun. You know, it's one thing just to see the sights, but what about interacting with people in in these various places? How did you find that? It's interesting. It can be touch and go. So sometimes it's amazing and you will meet the most amazing people, and that's why I love traveling by myself because it's something that forces you to go out of your comfort zone. You don't have anybody that you can rely on and use as a crutch to speak your language or kind of be with you when you're at dinner or things like that. So you have to interact with the world around you, I think, on a deeper level and just be more aware also of what's happening because you're alone and and especially as a female. So it's something where I've had good experiences. I often tend to join tour groups or things of the sort. If I, like at nighttime, if I don't want to go out by myself to a bar or a club, I'll join a nightlife tour and they'll do like a pub crawl or something or do a walking history tour at night. And you can meet a lot of people that way uh, in a safe surrounding. Um, I did that in um, New Orleans, which was amazing. You can do a haunted history tour and it's really, really wonderful. New Orleans has a lot of crazy history. Um, 
But there's so many places where you can meet people. People stay in hostels. I don't necessarily do that. I like to have my own room when I travel abroad. Um, I think that that adds to the safety for me being able to go and deadbolt myself in my own space at night and know that, you know, I'm kind of safe in that area. So I meet people more traditionally by walking around, speaking to people and, and you'll be surprised at who you meet. Um, so I've had some really good experiences and then some also kind of weary experiences, you know, making sure that I don't look vulnerable or like a tourist or anything like that. Sure. Mm-hmm. And what what do you like to do? Uh, again, what's your creative inspiration? Is it the tours? Is it the museums? Is it the adventures? You know, uh, f- full immersion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what what do you like to do on the trips? I love just seeing as like the classic thing that's there to offer, you know, by the destination. So something unique, like I really enjoyed going to the fortune cookie factory in San Francisco because it was a staple of Chinatown. I've been there for years, you know, there's a, ice cream shop in Puerto Rico that has really weird ice cream flavors like garlic and cilantro and, you know, savory flavors. And that was a really cool experience for me and getting to talk to the owners there. Um, So I really enjoy kind of finding these unique places around the world that I think um, have a story of their own to tell. That's some of my favorite thing to geek out over. Um, I love museums. I love nature. Um, Not too much nature, like a tempered nature. Um, (laughs) That's like me. You speak in my language just enough nature. (laughs) Because I think that I really enjoy the comfort of a bed at night to, you know, decompress after all that nature. Nature was wonderful. Now I need a hot shower and a bed. Um, Uh um, Nature in doses, right? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um, I've done, you know, 12 mile hikes. I hiked into Havasu Falls and that was 10 miles one day and 10 miles the other. And by the end of it, I really was first wobbling out of that canyon. motivated only by the sound of like wolves howling behind me and thinking like, I don't want to be wolf food. So I have to hop out of this canyon. <laughs> it was really a lovely experience. And then um, thinking wow. that I had actually paid to do this. Um, so yeah. some of the thoughts that go through my head sometimes. I love it. That's awesome. I rarely interject our own stories in these uh, podcast interviews, mm-hmm. but this summer Mark and I had a chance to raft down the Boise rivers together. Uh-huh. And, um, it was about three hours long and we were ready to be done. Uh-huh. And, uh, one of our raft mates had gone on one of these seven day, oh, yeah. you know, out in the middle of nowhere <laughs> tours with you bring your own food, you bring your own, you know, everything. I and, uh, we, great. We, we could not imagine. It, it was quite a contrast. <laughs> I, I equate our rafting trip with your kind of nature in doses. Yeah. It's kind of, I, I equate it to like lazy river at Disneyland for the most part. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, well, get, get, getting back on track, maybe, maybe I'll just do a quick uh, round robin and I'll, I'll name some areas of the world and uh, you tell me about your adventures there. How about that? We'll do this kind of word association. Okay. So you, you mentioned uh, Central America. Yes, Belize. And and what happened there? Um, what happened in Belize? I went to the Chicken Drop. The Chicken Drop is a mm, okay. <laughs> no chickens were harmed in the making of the Chicken Drop. <laughs> the chicken is a chicken drop is a festival where you have a, a festival. It's kind of a, an outdoor thing that they do every week at this 
bar on the beach where they put a giant game board out on the beach and then the chickens come out and then they're fed and then wherever they, you know, do their business on whatever number that is, you win and you win money. And it's really uh, exciting. And people go and they buy tickets like, you know, hours before and then everybody lines up and cheers on the chicken. They have really unique names, you know, rice and beans, pico de gallo. Um, and, <laughs> and actually, I won the first round of the chicken drop while I was there and I won 100 Belizean dollars. Wow. Great. great <laughs> All right. Next would be uh, Asia. Asia. I'm going to point out the... I'm going to say Sunrise at Angkor Wat was really amazing. It was one of those things that sounds stereotypical, but and there will be, you know, 3,000 other people there with you watching it, but it's still gorgeous. It's the largest religious site in the world. It's so, you know, coveted that it's been changed from, you know, different religions multiple times with the carvings altered depending on who the ruler is. And it's just a monument that's withstood so much and it's really worthwhile. Um, so Asia is amazing. And then also, side note, bonus shout out to the Unicorn Cafe in Bangkok, which is amazing. And you can see unicorns, have stuffed unicorns, dress up in a unicorn onesie. There's like rainbow cake. There's, it's a wonderful place. <laughs> wow. That's great. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, how about Central Europe or uh, the Baltics? Central Europe, I'm going to say Czech Republic. Um, so I was actually able to get out into some of the other areas beyond Prague. Um, I went to the I can still not pronounce it perfectly to this day, but I will try. Hold on. Hradec Kralova, which is a region that was about an hour and a half outside of Prague. Um, and it was it has a lot of things to offer. And I really enjoyed that we had a lot of, you know, kind of adventuring, kind of temp some nature there. We did uh, go-karting down a mountain, which was rocky, but still I enjoyed the go-karts over the mountain bikes, which those seemed a lot more dangerous. Um, and we just had a lot of fun there and great food for really affordable prices and really a beautiful place there castles gorgeous place to visit oh fantastic and uh, what about canada Ooh, I love Toronto. Um, I love Kensington Market in Toronto because I think it's one of the most diverse places in the world. Toronto kind of holds that title as a city, uh, but you can get, you know, different foods from all over the world in one block, um, from Tibetan momos to, you know, Mexican churros, uh, everything you could possibly want um, in one setting and everybody kind of getting along. And I just recently came back from Winnipeg and Winnipeg was amazing. It's so underrated. I was there for the Fringe Festival. They have an amazing museum for human rights and the festival was so many you know great shows all in one kind of free for all you have to kind of run around the city get your tickets it was really all kind of exciting like a scavenger hunt for theater um so it was really really great well that's cool mm -hmm. well we could we could go on all day with yeah uh, this is that, awesome that kind of stories but uh so let, let's transition then to you decide to write about this you know it's one thing to go and it's another to say now i'm going to share these stories uh, how do you approach that storytelling? Um, because it, reading some of your blogs, it does seem to be more than just a travel log. You know, first I did this, then I did that, then I did this, and I came home. Uh, how do you begin to craft those stories? Well, I think it helps me to record things as I go. So I'm constantly, when I'm traveling, and especially since I'm usually traveling for work, I think people kind of mistake what travel bloggers do and just think you're on permanent vacation, but you're documenting all the time and you're making sure you're taking the best notes and you're making sure that you're interviewing people at the time and asking the questions that you're going to want to ask then, because it's going to be really hard to get in contact with people in like Central Asia um, from, you know, 
over here on a different time zone and, and, you know, when these people are not necessarily the most accessible to begin with because they're working in, in, in accessible places like remote areas. So it's really hard sometimes and you want to make sure that you cover everything, you get every angle, you take it, you know, wide angle, you know, horizontal, vertical, everything possible. So I think that helps me remember as I'm doing because I'm documenting, I'm writing, I'm taking notes, I'm being very present in the moment. And I think from there, I just try to relay as much as I can to the reader, trying to be honest and and relay things in a funny but relatable way that people can see themselves in these places, but also be well prepared when they're traveling there. Because I think that's really important. I think if you mislead people, then they're not, you know, 100% sure what to expect when they get there. And that's how people have bad trips. You know, they don't know what to expect and they don't prepare for that. But if you tell everybody what to expect, like I knew what to expect going into Havasu Falls. I didn't expect to wobble out of there, but I knew that it was going to be hard. And so I had everything I needed in my bag to survive. And, and I think that that is part of how you ensure that people have successful trips. Well, that's very interesting because so many travel articles do just fa- focus on, you know, how much fun it's going to be and all mm-hmm. the sights and sounds. But you're, you're saying, hey, put some of that contingency planning or put some of those obstacles and hurdles and mm-hmm. issues you're going to face. Exactly. I think it's important because like, you know, different things. For instance, I got stung by a bee when I was just traveling recently in a place where there wasn't a lot of ice and I craved ice so much because I wanted it to just kind of numb and heal that site a little, little bit. So I had thankfully anticipated this. I had already seen that there was an ice in the region and that ice was a big deal to somebody like me who's used to having kind of ice machines on every floor of a hotel. And I know that that sounds very Western and very American. Um, but I think if you're used to these things, you know, try to find a way to incorporate them where you are. So when I saw that there was a fridge where I was, I immediately made some ice and I was able to at least get back to the hotel and have access to it there in my room. Um, so I think those are little things that you can do yourself that can make your stay more comfortable and you'll, you're happier with the people around you and and you're interacting better because you're not, you know, feeling displaced. Mm -hmm. That's great. You know, and so to, to elevate our conversation a little bit to, to the human experience part of travel, you know, what, what are some of the cultural similarities and and differences, but, but where's the thread among us all, you know, you're, you're traveling to cities and places all over the world and uh, some people never leave their zip code. You know, and they have uh, and images of people in other lands or other cultures. Um, but what what are some of the things that you're seeing that sort of glue us all together around the world? I think we all know pop culture. Um, so for instance, I teach Chinese kids in the morning and sometimes if I have some advanced kids, I'll ask them or I'll relate to something and I'll be like, you know, do you know Harry Potter? And they'll be like, of course, Harry Potter from Hogwarts, you know, school of witchcraft and wizardry. And, um, so they know all of that. And I think pop culture really relates to a lot of people and is a good way to bond, um, with people from abroad, you know, another kid knows like the Lakers or things like that. So I think pop culture is a good, and people know American pop culture and it's something that they like us for generally, which is not always something that you'll find because Americans don't necessarily have the best reputation abroad. Um, We can be difficult tourists sometimes. So I think in helping to ease that tension, bonding over something lighthearted like pop culture is a good thing. Um, And then I think also in general, we all have curiosities about each other. I think that's a common thread. I think in the same way that you are looking at people from across the world and wondering, even if you don't leave your zip code, what they're like. Um, the same thing with those people abroad, you know, they're wondering what is an American like, oh, they're 
be happy to meet you and then say, I met this American. If you go to Asia, you'll probably get asked for 20 pictures because they have never seen anybody that looks exactly like you. You know, there's a lot of that. And some people receive it well and some people don't. But I think in general, just understanding that we're all curious about each other. And if we can approach that in a respectful way, then there's no reason why we can't have meaningful discourse and interactions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and what are some of those things when you mentioned, you know, we don't always have a great reputation uh, as being great tourists or travelers? Um, what What helps bridge that? So I think in general, um, being a little bit more willing to adapt to things. So um, knowing a little bit of the language when you go there goes a long way. So hello, thank you, goodbye, please. You know, if you are at least attempting or starting out a conversation in the native language, people are much more um, inclined to help you moving along because they see that you're making an effort. Uh, I think being gracious, not being, you know, you know, following customs where they're custom. So if it's, you're supposed to take off your shoes, take off your shoes, um, which is how I got stung by a bee, by the way. So, I mean, it's not yeah. going to work out great for you, but I mean, <laughs> sometimes you just got to do it because you're traveling. If you have to eat all of the plate that's in front of you, eat all the plate that's in front of you. And there are ways that you can kind of research these customs ahead of time. I, I am a firm believer that blogs, you know, put forth good, valuable information. And when you Google them, a lot of these that will come up are blogs that'll tell you, you know, customs in so-and-so area things you should know before traveling here. Um, and that's really helpful as well. Um, yeah. And then I think just being, if there, you know, if a place is cash only have cash with you, be aware that that's the currency there. Um, so these are a lot of things that can help your trip go smoother. And then also your interactions with people go smoother because you're prepared to handle, um, how that country is. Wow. That's awesome. You, you know, I'm curious about, you know, when I travel, the and get out of the space that I'm in or the city I'm in, the ideas start to flow. How do you manage, you know, that if you're traveling so much? I mean, and I'm sure you've had an evolution of your your business and whatnot. How do you manage the ideas coming to you for new products, new projects, and, and whatnot? So probably not in the healthiest way. <laughs> I'm like I'm constantly overwhelmed, especially because I think I as a solopreneur, you're doing it all and you're just kind of managing the marketing, the content creation, you know, the editing, the promotion, the everything, um, the logistics, the design, everything. So it's a lot. And sometimes I just have like a mind dump at the end of the day where like I can't, like before I even go to sleep, I just have to get everything out of my head. So I just write and kind of probably looks crazy to other people, but I just like write down a list of everything I have in my head. So goals that I have, things that I want to accomplish, you know, little things that I noted. And um, as I go through, I get like a really great sick satisfaction from like crossing something off the list. So to the point where some, if I do something and it's not on the list, I'll write it on the list so that I can cross it off (laughs) because I need to get some sort of acknowledgement that I have made progress on this long list of things that I have to do, never ending. Um, Because I think we all know, especially when you're an entrepreneur, where you want to go, things you want to do better. Um, You know, I have a list of things I'm constantly wanting to do, blog posts I want to supplement and create other linking posts to so that I can improve their SEO. And, you know, I want to have maybe perhaps video or things like that. And there's a lot of things that I want to do. And I think you just have to kind of take it one project at a time and write down all your ideas so that they don't get lost and that you can start crossing them off one by one as you go. Yeah. Yeah. Get them all out on paper. I like that. Yeah. 
Do you have any, uh, you were mentioning uh, kind of keeping it all straight as a solopreneur. Do you have any favorite tools or uh, apps or sites um, that support you? Because uh, when you're on your own, you know, it's, yeah. it's great to have all these other tools. Use technology wisely, right? That's right. What helps you? Mm, what helps me? So I used to have a VA for helping me with scheduling social media. Um, unfortunately, now at this point, I think I'm weaning off of the VAs because a lot of the social media has been harder to maintain. And with the algorithm changes, you know, you never really know what's happening. So I've been actually focusing instead of my social media on my own sites and want to hire somebody to help me kind of manage that a little bit better. So outsourcing, I think, is first off the number one most helpful thing if you can find a reliable person. And I I do have reliable people I think that I can look to for different tasks. Um, aside from that, there are different scheduling apps. Um, Tailwind, Tailwind was good for me for with Pinterest for a while, and they still send out a lot of really good content via email. Um, I'm actually looking to switch email systems. So that's on my big list of things to do. Um, but I'm with MailChimp currently and I'm hoping to switch to a system that kind of just doesn't count inactive subscribers because I'm paying per subscriber and MailChimp has that issue. Um, and I want to just customize things a little bit better. So actually organization email is my next priority. Um, and I'm hoping that an app, something like ConvertKit or MailerLite will be really helpful for me there. Um Let's see what else. I mean, those are really, I use uh, WordPress for my website and I use all the features on there. I have a ton of different apps installed. I have groups on Facebook that I'm a part of um, that I think are really helpful when I have questions or just need any kind of support um, for everything. I have them for self-publishing. I have them for SEO. I have them for, you know, female content creators. Everything that I do, I have a group that I'm a part of and mastermind circles as well. Wow. That's great. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about the mastermind. And again, not, not the individual uh, members of your group, but uh, I think that's a, uh, a tool that, you know, is much talked about, mm-hmm. but maybe not always uh, implemented, you know, the right way. People say I'm in a mastermind group, but it could be a coffee clutch, not a mm-hmm. real mastermind group. How, how does it work for you? And so I'm part of two really great groups all online that I've just happened to fall into as part of my work. Uh, One of them is through the Women in Travel Summit, and it's a community called She's Wonderful, and they have a wonderful collective um, where it's a bunch of different uh, creators and just women in the travel space and the blogging space. So we do webinars and we do workshops and we do kind of questions and daily motivations and things like that in there. Uh, And I think that that's a great community, um, a little bit larger. And they also have times where you can go in and um, actually schedule a phone call with a group of maybe five people, or you can have office hours where you meet with somebody in particular that's an expert in the group. Um, Like let's say somebody's an expert on video production. Uh, You can schedule time with them during their office hours during the month. Um, So I think that that's a great community. And then similarly, I have a community with... um, the We All Grow Latina Network, which is a group of um, Latina women throughout the U.S., North America, South America, um, internationally. And they're really, it's a similar concept. They put together different uh, business opportunities. They have uh, workshops and courses and, and things you can download and, and really just all be part of a supportive, helpful community. Oh, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And, and what do you feel like you get from that the most? 
Um, I think first the connection. So now I, I my network has expanded. I know a lot of people and that helps me uh, grow my business. It helps put my name out there. They re- recommend me for opportunities. I've been able to get two different press trips through the She's Wonderful community um, and work with different DMOs, you know, destination management organizations throughout the U.S. and, and other internationally and abroad. Um, so that's been a really great you know, facilitator and intermediary for me. And then with the We All Grow Latina Network, I think I really get a lot of um, knowledge and access to amazing women that I wouldn't have even known about or been able to connect with otherwise. That's great. Mm-hmm. And I guess that leads me to ask about your goals then. Uh, what, what's next for you or what's out there on your uh, personal strategy map? So, um, besides getting my email list together, um, it's really yeah, that's right. right up there. Um, it's just something I've been procrastinating doing. And I think that that's something we all do. And I, I want to get better about that. Um, I think uh, I would like to do my fourth book. So that's high up there. I, my fourth book is going to be about how to make money online. Um, and in doing mm. so, I want to reach out to people that I know personally as an example that are doing these different methods that I'm highlighting. Um, so that's some, uh, a little bit of an involved project that I'm hoping to have finished in the next couple of months. Uh, I also want to relaunch a course on affordable flights. I have all the content, but I'm revising it and I'm going to relaunch it um, possibly on Udemy based off of my books. And then also a course on self-publishing because I think a lot of people want to know how they can monetize their message and and make passive income on Amazon with an ebook about something that they're an expert on, you know, um, cooking, you know, production, uh, architecture, whatever the case may be. Um, and I think that that's something that people are interested in. So those are three of my goals for the coming couple of months. That's yeah. terrific. Um, so talking about goals, I'm curious to hear the evolution of your of your business. You know, you talked about when you started doing the weekend trips or the short uh, trips. How has your business evolved? And maybe some aha moments when you've maybe pivoted and and said, I'm going to go here, you know, because I think all of us have the, a vision of what we want, and then it, it evolves in its own kind of organic way. Can you walk us through the evolution from, you know, when you first started traveling to where you are now and how your business has changed and some insights you've, you've had? Sure. I think in a nutshell, when I first started this, I had no idea what I was doing. (laughs) (laughs) No idea about the business side. I just thought traveling was cool. And I thought that maybe it would be something that could pan out. Um, And I think as I started to take it more seriously, and particularly before I made the transition to doing this full time, I started to invest in myself. And that was something that I had to be discerning about and that I learned, you know, not necessarily to take every course out there, but kind of be really targeted in what it is that I want to learn and be specific and, and go with intent and make sure that I'm getting the most out of something. So investing in SEO and investing in my website and driving traffic to my own website has been the number one game changer for me because it has allowed me to go to brands and say, hey, I have 100,000 views a month on my website. I have this many views a month you know, on my social media. I can help promote you. I can help build this campaign. I can have a partnership. And that's led to different... Um, um, you know, travel where I'm I'm not only getting the travel comped, but I'm also getting paid for my time and the content creation while I'm there and simultaneously getting to help, you know, promote lesser known destinations. So it's really been a win-win-win. And it's been something that I had to do 
by learning through doing and, and really taking my business seriously and investing in things like conferences, investing in things like these mentorship programs, you know, taking my SEO seriously and making my blog a, a force in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it's a full-time job, isn't it? And then some. It is. And, it, and it's not just like whatever you want to write on a website. You have to write what people are searching for and you have to be very specific about that so that when they search, your post comes up and you can still say what you want to say. But if nobody finds what you need to say, then there's no point in you writing it because it's just going to be in Google oblivion. And I think that that's what people need to get. And a, a lot of people are very resistant to change. And I saw a video once in college uh, when I was in a literature, leadership program called Who Moved My Cheese? I don't know if you're familiar with it. Yes, sure, sure. Yeah. Favorite. So, <laughs> and, and that's what I'm the, still asking that. <laughs> <laughs> Every day. Where is the piece? It's right around the corner. Yeah. Give me give me my piece back is my next book. Yeah. So I really love that story. And that's something where I feel like a lot of people are just so resistant to change and things are going to change, especially online. I think we're just now at a point where it's really exciting because bloggers are getting taken seriously as content creators that have articles that are going to rank on page one of Google, that are going to translate into clicks, that are going to have a visible ROI, that are going to you know turn out to be a viable investment of your money rather than these kind of one-page ads traditional and these dying news outlets. No offense, because I write for news outlets and I enjoy them greatly. Um, but they're changing, mm-hmm. you know, the way that we, you know, consume media is changing and we're going digital. And I think fighting it and fighting all the changes and fighting the fact that this is a fully evolving field is just going to leave you kind of hemming in a cheeseless hole. And that's not where I want to be. I think mm-hmm. I just adapt and keep moving and, and find the cheese wherever it is. And, and that's, I think, what the strategy that's kept me and then why I like it, you know, I, I also like that kind of constant challenge. Some people need more stability and then definitely for them, this is not the career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Well, as you think about the uh, the travel uh, piece of it, you know, we're talking about what's next and what's goals. Mm-hmm. So uh, what what's next on your travel itinerary or what's, what's out there that you haven't been to yet that you say it's uh, on the list? So... I'm almost ashamed to say that I haven't been here yet, but I'd really love to go to Turkey. Um, it's something that it's I've been wanting to do for a long time. I think Istanbul is such a fascinating city. It's where East meets West, literally. Um, and it's just an amazing history. I want to go hot air ballooning in Cappadocia, um, that I've already been hot air ballooning in other places. So I feel like this would be the ultimate pinnacle of hot air ballooning, um, which I really quite enjoy. You know, it's peaceful. You're nervous right before you go, but then you get up in the air and you're like, I don't know what I was worried about. Um, so I've done it <laughs> the Albuquerque hot air balloon fiesta, which um, occurs in October every year uh, in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And um, the I did it also in Hershey around Amish country, Pennsylvania. Wow, that's great. And then if you have a place, uh, you know, to recommend to our listeners that you say, you know, this is maybe off the beaten track or, you know, it's it's not Paris, London, Rome. Mm -hmm. Um, Where would you recommend somebody look at to travel? Hmm. Well, I don't know if it's off the beaten path because people know it, but I don't think too many people go there ever, um, at least not from the U.S. because it's so far and, and it's expensive to reach, um, but there's ways around that. I would recommend New Zealand, actually. And a lot of people go to the South Island because that's where they have the most stunning 
you know, nature and in cliffs and mountains and, and gorges and all of that. But the North Island, I think, is really cool. They have black sand beaches. They have the Hobbit houses from Lord of the Rings. Um, they have a whole town that's made up of, you know, geothermal activity. They have a hot water beach that's also, well, the whole island itself is, you know, geothermal activity. But they have the beach where you can dig a natural hot hot like tub in the sand you just bring a shovel um and you watch the sunset as like the hot water fills your little hole um and there's a lot of people out there that are doing that every night during low tide and it's just really a magical place where everything is safe they don't have anything deadly um so <laughs> other than driving on the other side of the road that can be challenging but it- that can be challenging <laughs> but no, no, no deadly animals no deadly st- stinging bees is that what you're saying That's no exactly bees. what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Very nice. Well, Jen, we just can't thank you enough. This has been a terrific conversation. And a- as we wrap up, you know, keeping with our theme of a world of creativity, how, how do you find that all of this travel and, you know, the adventures you're describing and meeting the people, how does that feed your creative spirit? Uh, how does that give you new creative energy? So I think it's hard, especially because I put so much into my work. I was actually just thinking today that I am my worst boss ever. And that if I didn't know me, I would actually take a sick day. Um, but, but I know I'll be lying about it. So um, I I think that that's a good question. And it's really hard because you put so much of your work into this and, and you drain I think everything that you have, especially creatively. So when you go and you're working, it it can be hard to recharge. But I think just the nature, like having these pinch me moments um, and thinking that you're lucky enough to be able to do this is really helpful, especially in my field as a traveler. Um, So one example, just the other day, I was in Yellowstone and it was a Tuesday morning and I was looking for bears and wolves, you know, through a scoping device. And I was thinking to myself that on any other Tuesday morning, if my life had been any different, I would just be in a regular office, you know, listening to people complain about whatever legal issue they got into and fighting with somebody on the phone and how drastically different this was from my reality from before and and how grateful I was that I'm in this situation to begin with, you know, even without Wi-Fi, even without being able to check different things, even with, you know, it being rainy and not having the best visibility. It was such a cool experience. And I think having those pinch me moments when I travel is how I personally am regenerated and why I find that travel is so good for me. And I've had them all over the world um, in, in different moments. And I think that that's what helps me particularly and why I found that travel blogging is, is the ideal profession. That's great. And I guess my last question that you uh, sort of peaked with that answer was that uh, if people are listening and saying, well, that must be nice, you talk about a pinch me moment, you know, Say they are that person on a Tuesday in the meeting they don't want to be in, having the phone call they don't want to be. Uh, how how can they be inspired, or what what uh, insight or advice would you share that rather than just looking at your experiences and say and saying that must be nice, um, how how can they gain or learn from this? I know exactly what that feels like because that was me for a very long time, um, and I think you have to. L- 
anticipation in and of itself releases as many endorphins as actually doing the event. So I think having something to look forward to, and that's why I wrote a book. My second book is actually, it's shorter, but it's called How to Travel with a Full-Time Job. It's called You Need a Vacation, How to Travel with a Full-Time Job. And it helps people find ways to kind of fit this in. Because I think if you have something that you've already planned, if you know you have something you've scheduled, then you have something to look forward to. And when you have that moment when you're kind of zoning out, maybe you kind of sneak on your phone and just pull up a little bit more of information of that resort that you're looking at. And something like that can really invigorate you and make you feel, you know, just like excited again versus like you're living this monotony, even if it's something small, even if it's a weekend trip, even if it's a day trip, just something that you have planned that you know is coming. The anticipation in and of itself can help you get through those tougher times. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, great. Well, Jan, thank you so much for for joining us and sharing your experience. It's been really fascinating to hear all your travels and your business side. We really appreciate it. Yeah, my takeaway is uh, I'm going to plan a trip before yeah, the end of the definitely day. Definitely me too. You've inspired me too, Jen. Excellent. That <laughs> I, need the, I need the anticipation endorphin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy to hear that. Yes. Yeah. Well, thanks so much. And uh, we'll, we'll close off there. Uh, but before we do, I just want to want to have you share for the listeners, and I'll also include this in the show notes uh, at my website, gmarkphillips.com. Would you share uh, how people can find you, including your website and any social media, just for listeners? Sure. Uh, you can find me at my website, jenonajetplane.com, uh, like leaving on a jet plane, Jen on a jet plane, um, J-E-N. And my handle is the same thing all throughout social media, Facebook, Twitter, um, Pinterest, Instagram, at Jen on a jet plane. And you have books that are available. They can find these on your website. It sounds like you have some courses and, and stuff to help people uh, that want to do this type of thing, right? Correct. And my books are available on Amazon. Uh, and actually, my third book, uh, The Solo Female Travel Book, is now available online at Target, Walmart, and uh, Barnes & Noble. Wow. Great. Well, we really appreciate it and, and want to thank you again. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Wow, what a great interview hearing about Jen and all of her travels and her yeah, experience. Just just terrific, energetic uh, person. And uh, I, I really found it uh, interesting that this is her work. So, you know, for some of us, it's like travel is a way to get away from work. Mm-hmm. Um, and she described a couple of times where, you know, I'm, I'm working when I'm traveling. Yes, it's fun. Yes, I'm having experiences and I'm going out to eat and I'm doing, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, tours and adventures and such but this is work and so therefore i have to organize my thoughts i have to know what i'm doing take the pictures write the interviews get the quotes you know get the people's names right uh, i I think she kind of downplayed how much it really is when you're out there because you know she's blending right she's entertaining herself and seeing the sights but she's also having to keep that part of the brain going you know what do i need to capture here to share right yes so And, and then i thought the the part where she was talking about her mastermind group is that you need this circle of support. And it's great to have uh, coworkers, you know, who'll back you up and take your phone calls and answer your emails. But I think bigger uh, is this mastermind group that says, I I need like-minded or, uh, you know, people who will give me support, feedback. I can bounce ideas off. uh, They can introduce me to new opportunities, what have you. I'm constantly reinforced this idea of mastermind groups mm-hmm. as a core tool uh, for creative development, for personal development, for career development, 
Um, it's so interesting. It's, it's something we all ought to keep in mind yeah. um, and, and look for these opportunities to get involved in a mastermind. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I've, and correct me if I'm wrong. I think this is the first time someone has mentioned mastermind in all of our interviews. Yeah, by name. Are you surprised by that? Uh, well, yeah. by, by name. I think they all said, here are my mentors or mm-hmm. here's how I learned. But uh, and, and maybe they're involved in mastermind groups. And maybe just don't call it that yeah. or, you know, things like that. But, yeah, so it, she reinforced for me that and some one of them was online, she said, and, uh, you know, was a larger group with maybe opportunities to, to talk to smaller groups mm-hmm. or talk one-on-one office hours. But no matter what the format. You yeah, because you've, you've been involved in masterminds and you, I, you get I a have. great deal of value from I, them. I, I really do. Mm-hmm. So it's good. Yeah. I think the, the final thing was this idea that – you know, travel can be fun, but you're also, when we are talking about a world of creativity, that the world is smaller. You know, you're taking day trips to Iceland. Mm-hmm. You know, you're taking day trips to Cuba. Um, so we can do it. And there's no reason to be limited mm-hmm. in our creative scope. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we we can take day trips and, and drive for an hour, but we can also take day trips and fly for an hour or two and be someplace that will completely rock our world and, and mm-hmm. shake it up. And and that provides a different kind of, of stimulation. And so to our theme in this podcast series, A World of Creativity, there is a big world yeah. of creativity out there. Let's go, let's go see it. Let's go find it. Let's go experience it and, uh, and incorporate that into our daily fabric and daily thinking. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great point. All right. Another great uh, interview in the books here. So um, as we get close to wrapping it up, we'll, we'll, yeah, I think this really punctuates the, uh, the end of the series. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, we've talked to to lots of people. We'll do a wrap up uh, episode here soon, but uh, we've talked to some great people. And I think this just puts the exclamation point at the end. It really does. It says it's a big world out there. Uh, Be a part of it. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Until next time, all the best, health, wealth, and success. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to this special edition of Enhancing the Human Experience, A World of Creativity with Mark Phillips. If you liked this episode and want to know more, check out gmarkphillips.com and please leave us a review on YouTube, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.